You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, LOThunderpod at gmail.com, or call into the show, 405-362-7128, 405-362-7128. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get 20% off your next order. On today's show, we're going to be recapping the Thunder's first preseason game, what all happened, what all stood out, and all that jazz. It's really good to be having basketball back on TV. Right now, I'm recording this. I'm getting to watch Kevin Durant and Kyrie play with Brooklyn. Just having basketball on is so incredible, and and it came here in a blink of an eye this year. And yes, I am so crazy that I will watch preseason basketball. So let's talk about the Thunder's preseason game against the San Antonio Spurs. The overview of this game is where we're always going to start with these game recaps. What you need to know heading into the contest. Well, the Thunder were without seven players. They did not have Josh Hall. They did not have Ty Jerome. They did not have Darius Baisley, Al Horford, Lou Dort, or Justin Jackson, as well as missing Darius Miller. And of course, Trevor Ariza, who has not yet reported to the team. This was interesting to me. Uh, Mark told us this on Friday after the show already released on Friday. Uh, He told us that in our Friday media availabilities. Uh, so whenever I heard that in that Zoom meeting, I was like, okay, well, that's really surprising that you know we had just talked to Lou Dort and maybe he just hasn't got his feet under him. And then we we knew that you know Josh Hall was in camp this whole time. So maybe he's just not ready yet. And then Baisley, we've talked to Baisley four or five times in the media and now he didn't make the trip. Uh, once again, this could just be due to the fact that They've been revamping their bodies, and maybe Baisley's dealing with some nicks and bruises. But nonetheless, seven guys did not make the trip. So, obviously, that kind of changed Mark Dagnod's rotation a little bit. The starters this game was SGA, George Hill, Hamidou Diallo. Nothing crazy on the top three. But then you get into Isaiah Roby starting at power forward and Mike Muscala, the starting center. Uh, I expected Al Horford to be out. He's a veteran. The, the trade didn't even go through till Wednesday. I expected him to be out. But And I did expect Muscala to start in his place, but Isaiah Roby starting at the four was a little bit surprising. But whenever you're missing Baisley and you're missing uh, those guys, Justin Jackson, Darius Miller, uh, you've kind of ran out of options at that point. And so I did like seeing SGA and George Hill together, kind of getting a feel for how they play off of each other. Also, just the fact that you can be so versatile with this lineup. I mean, whenever your team's at full strength, however many games that is this year, then you can have SGA playing with George Hill or you can have George Hill kind of controlling that backup unit. And so to see them in the starting lineup together was interesting. I've always thought that the that the starters would be in a normal, fully healthy situation. It would be SGA, Dort, Diallo, Baisley, Horford. So we'll see what Mark gets to do whenever he does have the entire roster at his disposal. But the Thunder did win this game if you care about wins and losses in the preseason. They won this game 121-108. to 
And so typically in a, in a recap, we'll go through quarter by quarter. We'll get really in-depth and, and nerdy and things like that. Then we'll have our three big takeaways, the MVP of the game, the Andrew Wiggins Award, the bet of the day, the money ball outcome, all that good stuff. But for the preseason, let's not break it down quarter by quarter. Let's just talk about some big points and takeaways and just branching off from those things. So we'll start with Tail Maldon, who is, of course, the story of this contest. Tail Maldon just stole the show whenever he got to make his NBA debut. Obviously, I've talked about it at nauseum, the fact that his NBA debut was made in San Antonio, where Tony Parker was able to make his Hall of Fame career. And Tail Maldon showed up, and, and he had a phenomenal game. And I honestly hate his stat line. Not because it's bad. I mean, the 20 points is the team high. The five rebounds. The two assists is the part I hate. And I hate it because it feels like he should have had way more than two assists. He was electric in the passing game. And it brings me back to the SGA George Hill thing. Because the idea going into it, whenever I, I figure that George Hill wouldn't start, is because that George Hill has some value off that bench. Because who was going to step up and be that lead guard for the bench unit. And now we see Tail Maldon emerge and we see what he can do. And again, the two assists does not truly define how good of a game he had setting up his teammates and moving the ball around and keeping the offense free flowing. So the, the two assists, that's a little bit misleading, but if you missed the game Saturday, that is just the story of it all, is Teo Maldon. And so the fact that he looks so in control of this offense, he looks so in control of setting up teammates and being a playmaker, it now, I think, gives you even more encouragement to start George Hill if you want to because you know you can have somebody to rely on with that second unit. You can start George Hill and stagger him with SGA and ensure that you know, you'll know you hopefully have one on the floor the entire game. But still, Teo Maldon did, did a good job and it went a long way with what your backup unit could be whenever it's controlled by Teo Maldon. But the the performance was electric. I mean, John Hollinger, people all over the NBA sphere were tweeting about how good he was. And you don't want to overreact to one preseason game, obviously. But what Teo Maldon pulled off in San Antonio on Saturday is exactly what everyone was talking about before the draft and after the draft. That this is a guy who is a first-round talent, and he slipped for a multitude of reasons. Tony Parker thinks it's because of the mismanagement on his team overseas. Uh, some people stateside think it's because he did not want to stay overseas. He didn't want to be a, a draft and stash player. He wanted to come over right away, so teams kind of backed off of him. Whatever the case may be, he fell for absolutely no reason. And at the end of the day, Sam Presti walks out of the 2020 NBA draft with two guys that have first-round talent. Now, what will they turn into? No idea. But the baseline talent level of Poku and Teo Maldon are first-round. It's first-round quality. I think that the Thunder said it best whenever you're looking at this performance from Teo Maldon. The Thunder can't even take credit for that. They get praise so much, the Thunder do, of having the best development staff and having the best people in place to truly cultivate talent and to truly change a player. They have not even got to scratch the surface with Teo Maldon yet, and he's already a 20-point score, five rebounds, two assists, and look like an NBA grizzled veteran controlling an offense. And he's only gotten two practices with the Thunder. This is a heck of a starting point for Teo Maldon. And branching off of that, we talked about how, how mature he looked and how... How much like a veteran he looked out there, even as a 19-year-old. 
the offense that Mark Dagnott ran in his first NBA setting was a thing of beauty. And it was probably the, the most beautiful offense we've ever seen in Oklahoma City, period. Not the most talented, but schematically the most beautiful offense we've seen. He did not just give you lip service when he talked about pace and space and he talked about wanting to run the floor, be versatile, all that good stuff. He was not just giving you lip service. He truly accomplished that in one game without seven players, most of whom were pretty important. I mean, I'd say Baisley's pretty important. I'd say Al Horford and Lou Dort are pretty important. I'd say that you'd consider Ty Jerome and Justin Jackson kind of a part of that rotation. And then Josh Hall, the two-way player, the, the, the wonderful mystery five-star recruit who skipped college, who knows what he can be. But, I mean, you missed some pretty important pieces out of that rotation, and your offense still looked really good. Your offense still was pace and space, positionless, free-flowing, movement, motion. It was, it was everything you could ever want. And this team which we'll get to how good or bad they're going to be, and we'll get to if this Thunder team is too good to tank. But this team, I think, is already starting to prove one of my predictions to be true. So far, I'm 0 for 1. I'm 0 for 1 so far. I made the prediction that Mark Dagnott would still wear the suit and tie after the NBA coaches were allowed to relax their outfit and they relax their dress on the sideline. He's going to relax his dress as well, going to go with the polo and the slacks. So that one was wrong. But my other prediction so far has been that this team, no matter what the record is, is going to be fun night in and night out. And we saw that in San Antonio, that this is going to be a fun team. And it's going to be a fun team, again, without some pretty important pieces, basically Dorton Horford. And then some marginal rotational guys that you're kind of interested in. Ty Jerome, Justin Jackson, Josh Hall. This is going to be a really fun team. Really fun. And on that note, I was surprised with how good SGA looked because of the missing pieces. But we're going to talk about SGA. We're going to talk about if this team is too good to tank. We're going to talk about how the guys on the roster bubble did coming up. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. On today's show, we're going to continue recapping that Spurs game, but... On tomorrow's show, we're going to have our five bold predictions for the Oklahoma City Thunder. On Wednesday's show, we're going to preview the Bulls game, number one, and place our bets this season. The over-unders, the prop bets, everything bet-wise will happen on Wednesday. On Thursday, we'll recap the Bulls game and give our final roster predictions. And then on Friday, we're going to preview the second Bulls game of the preseason and get into our entire season preview, which will take you from Friday all the way to December 23rd, whenever we tip off this NBA season. We're going to have so many great guests, great segments, great predictions, everything on Locked on Thunder. Again, it all starts on Friday and will continue up until the start of the season. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And if you're a big betting person, check out Wednesday's show where we talk all about betting this season in the NBA. I want to talk now about Poku. We talked in that first segment about Tail Maldon, and he stole the show of the two rookies. But Poku had a really good game. Alexei Pokashevsky was really good. I'm just going to be honest with you. You've got to put into context. You've got to put the context in there that he's an 18-year-old. He's, a, he's the youngest player in the NBA. You've got to put all of that into your mind as you're evaluating his game. Now, you could tell he was a bit undersized, but I will say it was not as dramatic of a 
drop off in physique between him and the next guy. Um, offensively, as you were expecting, now defensively, he did get pushed around a bit, and so you're going to have a a liability defensively with Pokashevsky, which we kind of all knew. But the frame, to me, can play at this level right now. You can get him some experience in the NBA starting on opening night if you wanted to. Now, will Mark Dignot want to? Who knows? But all things considered, for the first NBA action, for your first action since March, for your first action against quality competition, and I know that the Spurs are not that the best NBA team, and I know that they weren't trying their hardest, but even at that, even with those two qualifiers, it's still better than the makeshift YMCA league he was participating in overseas, which got him the first-round selection. That was by far the toughest competition he's ever faced. In... He really did not look out of place. He did not look lost very much. I mean, there was a bit of a learning curve, obviously, but he looked confident. He looked like he knew he was supposed to be there, and he was ready to shoot at will. Now, in a vacuum, that's good. In a vacuum, being able to shoot at will, being able to have that confidence about you and understand why you are in the NBA and that you belong here, and not being shy is a great thing. But there are some negatives to it if that continues and continues and continues and you're just launching the ball every time you touch it and you just become this out of control player but all in all Poku hitting the, the four threes get, getting hot from deep from from beyond the arc late in that game uh, on Saturday on his way to 14 points eight rebounds two assists he had a good game it was a good first step Mark Daynott has talked about starting points it was a good starting point for Poku he was not the best player in this class in his first preseason game. He was not the best Thunder rookie of all time in his first preseason game. He was not somebody who is beating down the door to crack the starting five in his first preseason game, but he was somebody who flashed the potential of a first-round pick. And that's all you need from Poku this year. All you need from Poku is a few flashes that you're going in the right direction, that You've made the right selection. And I walk out of that game Saturday after watching it. Encourage that Sam Presti made the best selections possible. Because Teo Maldon has first-round talent written all over him. And I think that we can take this away without overreacting to the first preseason game. I think you can take away from the first preseason game that Teo Maldon will at the very least in his NBA career, if he accomplishes his floor, I think his floor is a competent contributor off the bench, a good ball handler off the bench. That's his floor. So to get that at pick 34, really good from Sam Presti. Now, for Poku, I think that you saw the flashes of what he could be to the point that, yeah, he does have some unicorn in him. He, he has it in there. You saw those mobile threes he was taking off the dribble and off the dribble handoffs and things like that. You saw that. You saw the way he could move on the basketball floor as, as, as a seven-footer. You saw all of that. To where even if Poku was a total bust, you at least took the shot on a guy who might be a unicorn player and who might be, right, who might be a cornerstone of this franchise. 
And in a draft like what we saw in 2020, you take that swing 10 times out of 10 because what's the difference in taking Poku and swinging on a possible cornerstone but maybe having somebody who's not in the NBA in three years versus getting a guy like Sadiq Bey or Tyler Bay. You know, Tyler Bay, I like his game, but to me, he's just a solid role player. And you can find a Tyler Bay in every draft from now until the end of time. You can find a Tyler Bay in every free agency, and it's obtainable for a, even a small market like Oklahoma City. Even a small market like Oklahoma City can find a Tyler Bay in free agency. So why not swing for something you can't have? You can't have a Poku every single draft, and you sure as hell cannot sign a Poku in free agency if you're Oklahoma City. So I come out of Saturday thinking that Sam Presti made the best selections possible. Because to get a very good backup ball handler at pick 34, excellent. To get Pokoshevsky with his high ceiling, really good. So I, I like that, and I, and I come away encouraged by the two rookies after this year. Because I think that Poku can play. I think that Poku can get NBA minutes from day one. I do. Now, who knows if Mark Dagnot agrees, but just from whatever I saw on Saturday, I would put him in the game starting day one. Put him in rotation. Tail Maldon, same thing. Tail Maldon, really, I would trust him to run the bench unit after the first preseason game, as long as he keeps that up against the Bulls these last two preseason games. So I want to switch into Shea Gildas Alexander, who, of course, everyone is anticipating this monumental leap from him and to take over that lead ball handler role. And I think he looked very good as a lead guard. And, and to, again, reinforce the fact that he did not have Pretty important pieces around him. I mean, we all expect a huge leap from Baisley offensively. We expect Al Horford to be a good piece around Shea, to stretch the floor, to space the floor, to do all of that good stuff around Shea and to help him offensively mature. To not have pretty important pieces in this game, to still look as good as Shea did, going for 12 points, three rebounds, four assists, and look comfortable, was it was really impressive to me. Because I'll be honest with you, if Shea looked bad, I would not have held this against him. I would not have held anything in this game negatively against him because you're missing all those guys. But the fact he looked good was very, very encouraging. So I want to talk about if this team is too good to tank, right? That's what everyone's feeling. You win 121-108 in the preseason. You're feeling good. I would say, hold on a little bit. I understand the the angle, right? I understand that you're looking at the score and you're saying, wow, a week ago at this time, we were wondering if a fully healthy Thunder squad could really produce offensively. And now, we're looking at a team that missed Horford, missed Baisley, missed Darius Miller, missed Justin Jackson, missed Lou Dort, missed Ty Jerome. We're looking at a team like that that did put up 121 points. What can they be full strength? Is this going to be, is this going to be another surprise Thunder team? Another Thunder team that leaps into the postseason. I would just say to hold on a bit, right? Hold on a bit because the Spurs are going to be one of those teams at the bottom of the West that you're competing with. So beating the Spurs or the Bulls twice does not accomplish or tell us anything. The preseason's the preseason. We knew the Spurs were bad. We know the Bulls probably going to be bad, especially after the way they played in Houston the other night. Let's just... Simmer down, because another aspect of this is the fact that Mike Muscala went four for four from beyond the arc. 
I mean, he, he, the guy went four for four from beyond the arc. That's not going to happen every time. Pokashevsky is not going to hit four threes every single game, even if we would love that. This team is still going to be, I think, a bad team. But, as I have always said, despite being a bad team, they're going to be a fun and competitive team. And when you're a competitive team, some nights the ball has to bounce your way. This team is not going to go into each and every matchup, preseason or not, and get blown out by 50. It's going to be a fun team to watch, a competitive team to watch. And some nights you'll have the role. But do I think that this 121-108 win over the Spurs in the preseason changes the course and changes the plan, changes the idea of shifting the odds and trying to get Kate Cunningham? I do not. I do not. While I understand the argument of they were this good without pretty important pieces, it was the Spurs. It was the Spurs. And we'll see. And look, I'll, I'm going to be totally honest with you and, and totally frank with you about this season. For me, I think that the best thing Oklahoma City can do, I think the best thing a small market team can do, is to lose games, win the lottery, and draft that superstar and get them under team control for a long time. That's what I want the team to do. That's what I believe the direction is going. But that's not what I'm going to force this team into being on day one. I'm going to let this team dictate their own season. So from day one, whenever they tipped the ball off in Houston on the 23rd, I'm going to cover that game the same way I would cover a game two years ago when they had the OK3 team. And as the losses come and we see the direction they're going, we can shift into the tanking part of all of this. Now, I'm not going to get irate over every loss because I just expect them to come, and I, and I frankly are going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to welcome them every single night. But I'm not going to force them to be a tanking team if they're not a tanking team. Well, we're just going to see. And I will say also that a lot of tanking teams don't start tanking until later on in the season. So let's just agree to have fun with this season. And let's just agree to take the wins or the losses as they come. And let's just break down every single game individually. But for the Spurs contest on Saturday, it does not sway my opinion of the way this season will go. But we'll see if they can do it eventually throughout this course of the season, the way they did it last year. Coming up, I also want to have a very important Trevor Ariza conversation and what it means for the roster construction of this team, and then we'll wrap up and put a bow on this game against the Spurs. But first, I do want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a phenomenal protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off your next order. They have six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. But they are phenomenal, soft, and easy to chew. 100% chocolate on the outside. It is a protein bar that literally tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. Get 20% off your next order. They are great for the health-conscious person to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great for the keto diet. So get yourself some today at BuiltBar.com. You can use them pre-workout, post-workout, or even as a meal replacement or a snack. It is so convenient. Just get up, go get you a Built Bar, and then come right back to work. It's so filling and so good. It is just chef's kiss. My personal favorite is cookies and cream. But try you 
every flavor. Get a variety pack of Built Bars and see which one you like the best. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on, 20% off your next order. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on, 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. The, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. This is Locked On Thunder, the only daily podcast by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Let me tell you right now to head on over to Locked On NBA after the show is over because the countdown is on. The day is almost here. The start of the 2020-2021 NBA regular season this week on Locked on NBA, the podcast is previewing every single team, division by division. You're going to get intel on each team, waiver wire transactions from Locked on Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions from rejecting the screen on each division. Go to Locked on NBA, wherever you find your podcast from. I'm going to be on there, of course, previewing the Thunder season. You're going to have every other local expert previewing their team as well. So a great way to get caught up on this offseason. I know it was so fast moving and there's so many moving parts and it's hard to keep up with. So why not just take a few days, listen to Locked In NBA and let them get you squared away division by division, each team previewing their own season. It's a phenomenal way to regroup ahead of what will be a very fun NBA season. So I, I want to talk now about the Trevor Ariza conversation, right? We're seeing that that Trevor Ariza has not reported yet. It's personal issues. I hope that all goes well for him and his family. It's the same issues that kept him away from the bubble. So it's not like he's purposely doing this Oklahoma City. This to me is not Andre Godala in the sense of he saw it was Oklahoma City and said, you know what? I don't want to play there. Screw this. I'm not going to do it. This is something that's been consistent with him and that he just has things to take care of. So I wish him all the best. But what's happening right now for the Thunder is they have to weigh the cost of keeping Trevor Ariza, who is not with the team, and the reward of it, right? Because you're going to cost yourself a roster spot. But if the reward is only, which I think that we can all agree, the reward is maybe at the deadline you get a Lakers second-round pick or you get a Clippers second-round pick, or whoever the contender is that needs Trevor Ariza, you get their second-round pick, maybe even a, a heavily protected second-round pick that you never even see the, the day come to life where you get that second-round pick in your, in your disposal. And even if you get it, it's a contender, so we'll see where it lands in the second round, probably at the end of the second round, right? So when you say this out loud, that the Trevor Ariza experience in Oklahoma City if he stays on the team and gets traded, will likely end in a second-round pick. And second-round picks usually don't turn into anything, but you do have a really, really, really good and one of the best player development staffs in the NBA. Why not just waive Trevor Ariza, let him walk for free whenever he gets his personal life in order, which I hope it's quickly for him. I hope that everything's okay with him. Whenever he has that and he wants to return to basketball, he can pick his destination. So you give him a favor of, look, just pick where you want to go whenever everything's squared away. We'll take the roster spot. We'll buy you out of your contract. And on the flip side, you get to keep a guy like Isaiah Roby, who put up seven points, 11 rebounds, two assists, and was very athletic, very, very energetic, and just very good to watch and fun to watch in Oklahoma City, and who the Mavericks thought very highly of, gave him at the time the largest second-run contract in NBA history. The Thunder thought very highly of him trading Justin Patton for him, and they wanted to have him rehab this entire time while the team was in the bubble. They've really worked with him to get him back up to speed. They really like him a lot. So when you think of it, 
The whole idea behind trading Trevor Ariza for a second round pick is to get yourself an Isaiah Roby, which you already have. You already have an Isaiah Roby. And there's no long-term money with Trevor Ariza. Whenever you buy him out, you only have that dead money on the books for this year. And it's a pretty manageable contract to buy out. Especially with the cap sheet Oklahoma City has. So why not? Just wave him, give him a favor, you keep a strong reputation around the NBA, and you get Isaiah Roby. What's the difference in having Roby now versus having another type of Roby-type player with this second-round pick? If you can even get a second-round pick. You know, because it might be one of those top 55 protected second-round picks that just never pan out, and it's like in 2025. So to me, as I made it clear in my roster prediction 3.0, you know, last week, to me, if I was if I was saying Presti, if I was the GM, I would just release Trevor Reza and keep that roster spot open. But some guys in the bubble did not impress. Admiral Schofield did not impress. Kendrick Williams did not impress. Now, I've already counted Williams out of this equation, but Schofield's on the bubble, Roby's on the bubble, Trevor Reza's still on the, bu- on the bubble because if you, you know, he kind of defines which way you're going to go with this, right? If you're going to cut him, you get to keep one of these guys in the bubble and vice versa. To me, the only one that showed anything in this first game, and you don't want to overreact to anything, but the only one of those three, Roby, Schofield, Williams, who showed something and showed that can be a, a valuable NBA contributor eventually down the road with the right coaching is Isaiah Roby. And so the only of those three that, that you'd want to keep around for a flyer prospect, to me, is Isaiah Roby. But I did like Schofield coming out of the draft, and he just did not impress yesterday. He just did not. Just did not. And even though I like Schofield... There's just too much of a roster crunch right now. So it'll be very important for Schofield and Williams to impress on Wednesday. Now, just to wrap up this game, I was surprised by the fact that Moses Brown had a lack of minutes because he only played, like, what, three minutes, I believe? And that surprised me because there's no G League season, and there's no defined G League season when it's going to start, this, that, the third, to where I thought that with these two-way guys, you would want to get them as many minutes as possible. And for Moses Brown, you already head into the season without true center depth. And now you didn't have Al Horford, you didn't have Baisley, you can play that small ball five. You just had Mike Muscala out there. And for him still not to get opportunity was pretty interesting to me. I mean, again, it's a two-way contract. Who cares if he's good or bad or whatever? But I just thought going into this that you would want to get your two-way guys as much time as possible, knowing that there's not going to be a G League season right away at least. But, you know, that's just something that I that I found interesting. Maybe I'm the only one because I'm just a weird basketball nerd. Now, TJ Leaf was fine. And I want to talk about him because you know he's kind of getting thrown around in these in these roster conversations. I think that TJ Leaf is totally safe on the roster. I would be pretty surprised if TJ Leaf does not make this team on December 23rd. But he was fine. Eight points, five rebounds. Now we will jump into the MVP of the game. We'll jump into the Andrew Wiggins of the game. And we'll see if I was right on my Moneyball prediction. And then we'll be done with this episode of Locked on Thunder. right now you're the real MVP the MVP of this game has to go to tail mound on I mean he was incredible we spent an entire 10 minute segment on tail mound on so I'm not going to reiterate all of that but tail mound on wins his first MVP award in Oklahoma City and the first of this season and preseason for the Thunder so congratulations tail mound on the Andrew Wiggins Award, which if you're new, the Andrew Wiggins Award goes to the opponent who just had this breakout game and was just 
just somehow miraculously amazing against Oklahoma City, the same way that Andrew Wiggins is every time he steps on the floor of Chesapeake Energy Arena. This one has to be Patty Mills, who is really somebody who's in the running to get this award named after him because it seems like he's always playing well against Oklahoma City. He scored 24 points again on Saturday. The Moneyball outcome of the day, if you're new, the Moneyball outcome of the day, it's a play on Matt, Matt Pinto who always says cha-ching a Thunder Moneyball every time the Thunder make it three. So we try to predict who has the most three-pointers uh, for the Thunder in each game. I predicted Mike Muscala. I was right. He had four and tied with Poku who also had four. So if you had Poku or Muscala, you won the Moneyball outcome of the day on Saturday. So that will do it for the Spurs recap. Next game comes to you on Wednesday at home against the Bulls. Billy Donovan comes to town. 7 p.m. tip time at Chesapeake Energy Arena. It'll be so good to be back in Chesapeake Energy Arena. Don't forget this is the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from because we have a loaded week and a loaded season coming up on Locked on Thunder. I am Rylan Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder.